Okay, so like I said, we're flip-flopping the service, so we'll, I'll, I'll preach now, and then, uh, and then we'll, we'll sing in response to the sermon. Uh, we don't do baptisms here very often. We, uh, we baptized someone in, August, uh, in October of 2017, so it's been over a year now, and, and I think it had been a long time before that. So I kind of want to capitalize on this opportunity to talk uh, about baptism. I, I mean, we are Baptists, after all, so... Uh, it's probably okay for us to talk about baptism every once in a while. If you hadn't noticed in your bulletin, uh, the title for the sermon is simply, What's Going On Here? And so that's kind of the, the, the question I want to address this morning is, what's going on in there? Like as I bring Jim and Sam into the baptismal uh, later on, what's happening? What, why? What, why would we do any of that? Why are we dunking people? Like what, what's with this kind of ancient strange ritual that we do what's what's the significance there so that's that's what i want i want to talk about and oddly enough i i kind of we've been in the lectionary and so uh i kind of assumed that the lectionary would have nothing to do with baptism for today and uh, that i'd have to go find you know my own my own texts to talk about baptism but I was wrong. The lectionary actually has a lot to say about baptism today. So I'll, I'll mainly be using the lectionary passages to kind of help us think through these kind of questions. What, what's this thing that we're about to do? Why would we do it? What does it mean? So let's, let's jump in. One thing that you could say about baptism is that it is a bold declaration of the gospel. Plain and simple, uh, baptism declares the good news of Jesus. It declares the gospel. The act of baptism, Jim and Sam going down into the water, gives us a full picture of the good news. It gives us this picture to understand this thing that is very, very hard to understand. It gives us a way of kind of imagining what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And that's what Paul is talking about in our New Testament passage this week. This comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, starting with verse 35. Someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Fool, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain, but God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. Uh, And then skipping on to verse 42. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown perishable, what is raised, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a physical body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Uh, Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam 
became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the physical and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And is the man of heaven, so are those of heaven. Just as we have been born the image of the man of, God, a man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. All right, so that's kind of a lot. Uh, and yet, I think that's essentially what's happening in, in this, this uh, uh, ceremony that we're going to participate in later in, in the service. We are celebrating that uh, when, when they go down, they go down physical, but they come up spiritual. That, that when we die to the old self and Jesus resurrects us to, to, to the new self. In Jesus' death and resurrection, we inherit the kingdom of God, an imperishable kingdom, an, an eternal reign. We start out as the seed that is dead uh, and it gets buried. And then ironically or, or, or mysteriously, it comes up alive. Right? And we're agricultural people here in Montana. We kind of understand this concept maybe better than, than our urban brothers and sisters. But it's still weird, right? That, that a dead thing somehow goes down and comes back up alive. It's weird, and yet that's what we are celebrating. Uh, it is that... Uh, when we die, we are resurrected into God's imperishable kingdom. When the first Adam and then all other Adams after him, us included, uh, had gotten themselves into an ungraceful, unsalvageable, hopeless situation, the last Adam, Jesus, arrives as a life-giving spirit and saves the day. He saves the world. He saves you and me. Just when we had gone down into the depths and died to our, ourselves, God raised us up into new life. We were stuck in bondage to our ungodliness with no hope for redemption, trapped in transgression, ensnared in evil, captured in calamity, stranded in sin. How many more ways can we say it alliteratively, right? Uh, we, we were done for. And yet, in our death, Jesus raised us to new life. When all seemed lost... God shows up in the form of his son Jesus and rescues, restores, and redeems us for an eternity with him. It's the gospel plain and simple, and that's what we celebrate and remember in baptism, that things that die can be raised to new life through the power of God. Uh, but baptism isn't just fun and games. It's a tough reminder of the ugly truth that life only comes through death, that we actually need to die in order to experience new life. Life and goodness and redemption, they don't come easy in this world. They don't come easy for us. It comes through death and hardship and pain. It's the great mystery of the earth, as we've talked about with seeds, that you put a dead seed into the ground and somehow it comes up alive. And it's an even a greater mystery of the cosmos, that a physical body goes into the ground, but it has raised up a spiritual body, an alive body. And it's not just Jesus' story we are recalling here. That's our story as well. We get adopted into the story of Jesus through his death and his resurrection, that as we die to ourselves, as we die to the old, 
old self, we can be made alive again in Jesus. We can be resurrected. Through the power of the resurrection, we are made alive despite the stench of death that surrounds us. The perishable is raised imperishable. Our failing bodies and minds and hearts, our our failing strength and abilities and senses and hairlines and all the ways in which our body is in a perpetual state of death and dying, uh, it all gets redeemed. Those things recede into the, the oblivion here in this world but are raised to new life in Christ through the power of the resurrection of Christ, the dishonorable is raised gloriously. Shame and guilt and never enough go down into the grave uh, and are raised into God's declaration of our enoughness through his grace. Weakness transformed into power. Pain transformed into perseverance. Marginalization transformed into belonging. In all ways we die and are raised into new life. That is the power of the cross and that is what we celebrate and remember in baptism. But death always has to come first. Death precedes life. That's the way it works. You can't avoid the pain because then you don't get the healing. You can't avoid the darkness because then you don't get the light. You can't avoid the doubt and fear because then you don't get the hope. Baptism reminds us that the gospel involves us walking into death as a means of stepping in to life. And I've had the privilege to listen to two people's testimonies over the last couple weeks where, where I got to hear their stories of kind of wandering the desert and feeling like uh, things weren't making sense, they weren't in tune, they weren't in sync, and yet when Jesus came into the picture, uh, things started to, to be made clear, that, that suddenly... Uh, There was no longer death, but only life, and they had been redeemed from that place where things were confusing and didn't make sense. Uh, Baptism reminds us of the gospel. Uh, Thank God that we worship a Savior who's in the business of transforming death into life. He's been redeeming us, rescuing us, and saving us forever. Uh, that is who we, we worship, and that is what we celebrate today. And that's the redemptive kind of work that we see in the life of, of, jo- of Joseph, who's uh, our Old Testament passage for today. You think about Joseph's life. Uh, he's abused by his brothers, and he's sold into slavery. Uh, he ends up in Egypt, where he becomes this really powerful and influential man. Uh, but meanwhile, back in Israel, there's drought, uh, and, and Joseph's brothers get really desperate and they head off to Egypt in order to seek help. And who do they find there? They find Joseph. They find this brother who they'd left for dead. And that's where uh, the story uh, in the lectionary picks up today uh, in Genesis 45, where it says, Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. Uh, answer him. They were so dismayed at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. 
For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there have been five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve you as a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. And the story kind of goes on, uh, but Joseph, he didn't die, but man, he, he experienced everything hard that you can imagine, and yet he didn't allow that to define him. He actually went down into the dead places of life, the pain, the hatred, the abuse, the neglect, the poverty, the slavery, the loss of family, the loss of freedom, but yet he arose as the savior of both his family and his people. What his brothers intended for evil, God resurrected for good. God transformed Joseph's awful life into a life of blessing. God rescued and redeemed his life so that he could rescue and redeem his people. God's been doing this kind of work for forever, and he continues to do it in his people today, and that's what we celebrate today in baptism. So what's going on here today? We are being reminded of God's grace that meets us in death and raises us to new life. Thanks be to God. But, uh, but there's one more thing uh, happening here in baptism that I want to draw our attention to this morning before I, before I close up. Baptism isn't just some highfalutin kind of theological idea. It's actually really practical as well. It's not just a metaphor. There's some practicality to baptism as well. Baptism reminds us that we have drowned our old self. When we go down into the water, we have put to death that old way. We have died to our old pattern of living. And when we come up, we have been reborn, resurrected into a new life, a new way of being. Not, not just some glad morning when we fly away. Right? We're not just talking about that. Yes, we are celebrating that when we turn our life over to Jesus, he does rescue us for an eternity. But baptism is also symbolic of the fact that we are dying to old, unhelpful patterns. I used to do this and this and this, and those things were only producing death in my life. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't a good way of living. It wasn't the way of Jesus. It wasn't the way that he talks about in the Gospels. And I want to put that that pattern of life to death. I want to be done with it. Uh, no longer conforming to the way of the world, but being transformed by the renewing of my mind. So I want to be reborn. When I come out of the water, I want to say yes to a whole new way of existence, to be resurrected to a new way of life. Baptism is repentance. It's like saying, I I'm sorry, God, for the way that I was living and acting and talking and loving. I want to die to that old way, and be resurrected to a new way. I, I want to drown that old way of living and come up to the fresh breath of a fresh life. I, I want to live differently. I want to live for you. It's really, really practical in saying, no longer do I want those patterns. I don't want those unhealthy habits. I don't want those sins for one more second in my life because I have been made new cosmically, mysteriously, so I want my life to be made new as well. I want the patterns of my life to be different. Baptism is saying yes 
to God's way, and more specifically, to all the commands, directions, and responsibilities uh, that our psalm for today calls forth for us. From Psalm 37, uh, verse, verse 1 says this, Do not fret yourself because of evildoers. Do not be jealous of those who do wrong. Being dead to sin means I won't let it control me for one more second. Uh, evil does not get to rule my life and cause me fear. I won't long for my previous ways anymore. I'm done with that. Verse 2, for they shall soon wither like the grass and like the green grass fade away. We, we shouldn't worry about the ways of the world uh, for one more second because that way does not last. Death does not get the final word. Uh, so the calling is to die to the old self and to start living like we're alive. Verse 3, put your trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on its riches. Verse 4, take delight in the Lord and he shall give you your heart's desire. Verse 5, commit your ways to the Lord and put your trust in him and he will bring it to pass. Verse 6, he will make your righteousness as clear as the light and your, and your just dealing as the new day. Verse 8, do not fret yourself over the one who prospers, the one who succeeds in evil schemes. Verse 9, refrain any, from, any, from any anger. Leave rage alone. Do not fret yourself. It leads only to evil. And it goes on and on and on. All these kind of ways of living where I want to say no to the old patterns and say yes to this new way of God that he has raised me up from the water to live. Uh, and then in the end, uh, the psalmist ends the chapter with the gospel again. Verse 42, the Lord will help them and rescue them. He will rescue them from the wicked and deliver them because they seek refuge in him. It's essentially the gospel in one little verse that he saves us, that he rescues us into this new way of living. That is what we celebrate today in baptism, that we worship a God who saves. So, as we observe and celebrate and participate with Jim and Sam today, may their baptisms be a reminder of the good news of Jesus, that death never gets the final say, that death actually produces life in God's upside-down kingdom, and that the death-to-life transformation transformational process of God's grace should actually invite us into the very practical step of dying to the old death-inducing ways of the world and rising to the new life-producing ways of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the good news of Jesus. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for your love, for your care, for your concern, and most importantly, we thank you that you are powerful enough to save, that you have conquered evil, that you have vanquished Satan, that you have put an end to the old way, and that you have rose victoriously from the grave. We thank you for the power of resurrection and how you have provided that for us, that you have given us a way to step into eternity, both here, now, and later. God, I thank you for Jim and Sam, for their commitment to you, for their desire to live for you all the days of their lives. And I pray that we would be encouraged today by their baptism to remember the ways in which you first took hold of us 
and said, I've got a new plan for you. God, would we be inspired by them to live out our baptismal commitments as well, to to remember your grace and and to uh, be encouraged into a new pattern of living that's different than the world, that's good, that's kind, that's pure. God, we give you thanks for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.